Don't you feel encouraged already? I mean, you just got to hear that God is moving at lots of churches in this city and that the church in Bryan College Station is and has been pulling together. Amen? Amen. And so here's, here's your challenge for this week. When you meet another Christian, because I know that you will, who doesn't go to this church, here's what I want you to ask him. Hey, how's it going at your church? Share something encouraging with me. Ask them about what good stuff is going on in their fellowship because they love Jesus too. Ask them. And if they're like, well, I just kind of show up once a month, say, stop doing that. Go there every Sunday. Get involved and be part of the church and not just on the sideline. Amen? Amen. Our goal is not to grab everyone in Bryan College Station into Antioch. Just so you know. I actually don't want that. Um, our, our job here is to steward the people that God gives us and to also encourage other believers in the city to keep going for it. We need lots of churches. In fact, every time I hear of a new church plant, I'm not actually irked about it. I'm actually very encouraged. I want new churches because there's tons of people that don't know Jesus, that are destined for hell, that don't know God. And we can't house them all in here. Parking's a trouble for us anyways. <clears throat> As you know, come to the nine. Parking's better, all right? So, but we need more churches here. We need more people going after it. And so when the Collegiate Day of Prayer thing happens, it's like, yes, it's stirring the church to be the church again. Amen? So let that be your attitude. Do not be the curmudgeon Christian who's like, ah, don't, don't do that. Be an encourager. Build up the body of Christ. Amen? It's like my mom used to say, if you got nothing nice to say, don't say anything. All right? So... Same thing for us as a church. If you've got something nice to say, you can say it. If you don't, just pray through it, and God will help you out. All right. You know, my freshman year of high school was very awkward. <clears throat> Anyone else awkward freshman year? The rest of you are lying. <laughs> because scientifically and medically, I know freshman year is a very awkward year for all of us. Physically, for one. Come on now. Emotionally, my goodness. Right? Yeah. Jill, go back in time real quick to your freshman year of high school. Like, yeah, do you want to be living with you? No, you don't. Freshman year, very awkward, okay? So it was awkward for me, too. Um, I actually grew about six inches in a year. Uh, So that was challenging, called growing pains. Um, But, you know, my freshman year, I was involved at a church. My parents, we were were at a a Bible church, and, um, and I remember being involved in the youth group. And, you know, I had done some singing on the side, like in my shower in my bedroom, and I had never sung, like, in a context with the people actually listening. Of course, I sung to the radio and stuff. So I thought I'd put myself out there to be on the youth worship team. And so there we were Sunday mornings. You know, we had big church. And we had, like, youth time. So about 100 kids in there. And I finally got my shot to be on the worship team. Now, I can't play anything, just so you know. But I thought I could sing a little bit. And at the time, you know, this was the late 90s when jars of clay were big time. Come on, DC Talk. Come on, let's go. Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis, Chapman, the Newsboys, they're still around. I don't know how, but <clears throat> I mean, these are the bands of the 90s. This is all we had. You know, you guys got all sorts of stuff now. It's like, that's what we had to work with. And so, and so we had Jars of Clay, and I love Jars of Clay. And so we had this song we're going to do. So there I am as a freshman. Again, I'm a freshman, so just keep that in context. And I'm up there, and the song is the first song of the set, and it starts out like this. It's like, Boom, 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 boom. So I'm kind of feeling it. You know, and I've been practicing on my own, you know. So I'm feeling it. And we, and we got like 70 people in here, you know. 
I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And then it starts out with this. Dear God. And so my voice cracks. Right? So like the actual song starts out with Dear God. And I had this major voice crack. And so the band's like not sure what to do because it just was off. And it's like, they were like, boom, 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 boom. You know, so I'm like, oh, no. Round two. I have to try round two. So round two, I'm like, dear God. And then we just kind of go on to the next thing, you know? It was brutal. I have never been on a worship team since. True story. All right? I've worked through the healing. But here's what I learned that day. Um, I had a couple things going against me. One was the fact that I was a freshman boy, which usually around that time your voice changes. And so please give people some slack, you know, when the voice is changing. I mean, and it can happen all through high school, even in college. Don't mess a brother up. Just be like, hey, I get it. Your voice is going to be okay later, but just you got to deal with it, okay? And so, you know, I had this voice crack, and it was devastating to me. But here's what I walked away with. I actually am not gifted by God to be a worship leader. It doesn't mean I can't lead myself, and it doesn't mean I can't lead my family. Let's go, you know, but you don't want me. You don't want me right here. That's not where you want me. Okay, I need to be over here, not, not there. And, and Chris did a great job last week unpacking, kind of kick up the series and equip the saints, pretty much saying, hey, there's apostles and prophets and teachers and shepherds. There's a whole crew of giftings. There's, there, there, there are roles for people to play. But that everybody, if you have Jesus inside of you, he actually promises to give you the Holy Spirit and then to give you gifts. And so which means everyone in this room, if you've given your, if you've given your life to Jesus, you actually have already been gifted by the Holy Spirit. You have some gifts already. You may have one or two. You may have ten. I don't really know. It's between you and him, but you have some gifts, all right? And I want you to know that for you not to activate those gifts is a miss for us. It's a miss, which is why I told you to go to someone in this town who goes to another church, and if they say, I go to church once a month, say, stop doing that, go to church every week. Why? Because they have a gift. They have a part to play, and they're not playing it. And when they don't play their part, what you get is Kalen coming up here, one-man band on Sunday, and he sounds pretty good on the acoustic, you know, pretty good, but it actually sounds a lot better and more full when everybody's playing, right? Chris was sharing that last week, trying to get it into our hearts and minds that it's okay to play music by yourself, but when you do it with a whole band, you get a full sound, and you get a full expression. You get the keys going. You get the vocals going, you know, and I love Kalen, but you know, some of these ladies can just belt it, and the dudes can't do that. So we need to hear them just give it a give it a go, right? That's good for the body of Christ. It is good and needed that you know your gift and that you play a role. And you know, we're described as saints by Paul in Ephesians. We're described as saints that we have been, we have been sanctified and, and therefore we have been, we, we, uh, when, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? He he pays for your sins, he purchases it, and he atones for them. And he says, hey, guess what? I'm removing those from you. I'm taking those away from you. Now you are a new creation. Now follow me and walk in this new way of living. Which is why when someone turns their life over to Jesus, what they're saying is, I'm done with the old, and I'm, and I'm ready for the new. I'm done with the old way of doing things, and I'm ready to follow you, Jesus, not just to follow myself. <clears throat> but you know, sometimes in our culture and society, there's this idea out there which says, my faith should be private. Anyone ever heard that? Hey, I'm so glad you're religious, I'm so glad you're a Christian, that's cool, but please keep it silent, right? Because that's biblical, right? Be, be a Christian only in your closet? Isn't there, isn't there a book out there by that? No. No, that's, that's not the way it is. Jesus' whole life, he was very public, very vocal. And if, we're gonna, and if Christian actually is Christ's follower, we're little Christ, then shouldn't we be vocal too? 
Right now, I'm not talking about going up and getting in everybody's faces. I'm talking about living your life out, letting your light shine before men. Now, some of you guys watch the Super Bowl. Anyone watch it, Super Bowl? All right, some of you just ate food. Some like the commercials. Some actually watched the game. All right. I watched part of my kids, and it's bedtime. Then I started watching it, and I fell asleep, and I woke up, and they had won. So I don't know what happened. But the Eagles won. All right, filled out the Eagles. And interesting, I came across an article that was written a few months ago back in October. I want to share a couple of things from that article with you. <clears throat> the Philadelphia Eagles' stellar season so far has been credited to their spiritual cohesion as a team that honors Jesus Christ. Now, this is written back in October. Um, one of the forces, one of the driving forces, the NFC East leading Philadelphia Eagles, or at least the unity behind the team's start in 2017, being at 5-1, and one, is that they have been a people of faith. And baptisms and them sharing their faith is not all that's happened. Um, Carson Wentz, if you don't know who he is, he actually wasn't the Super Bowl winning quarterback. He was a starting quarterback for the Eagles the entire year, and then he got hurt late in the season into the playoffs, and so then a guy, Nick Foles, who went to my high school, by the way, he actually won the Super Bowl. He got to play for the Eagles. and got to, So he's riding the bench all season. Guy gets hurt. He gets to start. And you know who the biggest fan of Nick Foles was was Carson Wentz. Now, Carson came on the team just a year ago, and he would be, by many would say, one of the best quarterbacks in the league now. <clears throat> and, you know, um, I was reading in this article, and they were talking about how the team, many people on the team now, they have started this kind of Bible app devotionals amongst the teammates. People are meeting together for discipleship and fellowship. So much so that now some players have gotten baptized. Now, this is the NFL. This isn't, this isn't your church program. This is the NFL. Right? Lots of money, lots of fame, lots of crazy stuff happened in the NFL. Right? And if you know anyone's ever coached or been part of the NFL, it's a very challenging world. <clears throat> but in October, when this article was written, um, before the team was about to play the Carolina Panthers at their team hotel in North Carolina, one of the players actually got baptized. Right? <clears throat> uh, Marcus Johnson, he got baptized. And so many of the teammates got around him, and one of them took like an Instagram pic and sent it out there. So you had uh, the tight end, Zach Ertz. You had, you had Carson Wentz, the quarterback. You had Nick Foles, the other quarterback, a couple other players who were there holding hands, praying over this guy as he got baptized in the hotel pool. Isn't that encouraging? Now, <clears throat> it's not just there because actually before that, in the spring, during one of their training camps, at the end of a training camp session, they went back in the locker room, and some guys who just given a lot to Jesus said, I want to get baptized, and all they had were those cold, icy pools. And they said, hey, let's go. So they like, got in there, and they put their feet in like, ooh, this is maybe not a good idea. But this guy says, he literally said, <clears throat> um, he said, he said, we were doing it in the cold tubs, but honestly, the power of everything that was happening there, when you got in, you weren't even thinking about how cold it was. One of the players saying that. I count, I think there's seven or eight guys have gotten baptized on the Eagles team in the last year. There's only 55 guys on the team. <clears throat> right? So they've got over 10% of the guys that are following Jesus and walking discipleship. But you know why? Because Carson Wentz came on the team and started being salt and light and said, I'm going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. And by the way, football's on everything. He has this, he has this whole, his, his, his whole saying is, is it's, it's, it's all about the one. Like, his goal is I play for the one. I live for the one. Talking about Jesus. He's very vocal about it. But, you know, you're going to see Carson on the street yelling at people, street preaching. You're going to see it. You're going to see Carson do this. He's going to go into work. He's going to be a quarterback. He's going to ask a player how his day was. He's going to say to the linebacker, hey, man, how, how's it going in your marriage? Hey, what's going on with your girlfriend? Hey, how about your kids? And he's going to open up. He's going to start sharing his story. And I guarantee you, 
that a big reason why the Eagles were successful this year and actually won the Super Bowl is because there was a unity, there was something happening, cohesion happening, that couldn't be happening just from worldly context. God was present somehow, some way amidst that team. Aren't you encouraged? God is moving even in hard places. But it's because Carson didn't sign on to the notion of my faith is meant to be private. My faith is not meant to be private. And it's not for us either. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And you know, as we look into this, I think that our challenge today is that uh, I think all of us actually want to be influential to people around us. Like all of us actually want to make an impact. I think all of us One day, if you fast forward to the day that you die, you want people to be able to say at your funeral, man, they made such an impact on people, right? I mean, really, right? I mean, deep down, if you think fast forward a little bit, like, that's what you once said, isn't it? Man, they were faithful to their friends, to their spouse, to their kids. They were hard workers. They contributed to society. They were encouraging. They loved God with everything. They were generous. Like, that's what we once said of us. So I would just say, if you're not living in that way where that outcome's going to happen, maybe it's a place to ask the question, am I living in a way where that will happen one day? Am I living in a way where people would get around me and say, yeah, that's exactly who they are? And if it's not, that's a chance to go before God and say, God, what I need to change? What needs to happen? Well, in Romans 12, 1 through 2, <clears throat> Paul writes this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, presentations require preparation, don't they? You've done a school project or for the office or for your company, you have to prepare to get ready to present something. And so how do you prepare? Like, what is Paul saying here? How do you actually present your body? It's like, what's the preparation that goes into that presentation? I'll make it real simple. Um, This is the number one way to prepare. And some people ask me, hey, Tyler, why doesn't Antioch, why don't you guys have all these Bible studies up at the church during the week? Do you guys not care about the Bible? And I say, well, no. It's because I don't want to hold everyone's hand into the Word of God, and then when I let go of them, they end up, Never reading it for themselves. Um, let me just say this, church. If you can read, which the majority of you in this room are literate, um, and if you've given your life to Jesus, which means then he gives you the Holy Spirit, the Word actually says the Spirit of God actually leads you and guides you into all truth. H- have you ever opened up <clears throat> a passage of the Bible, read it, you understood one thing, six months later read it again, and it comes across differently? Now, did someone go in and tamper with your Bible? Hey, who, re- who changed that word? Hey, someone's been snooping around. I see all these X'd out. No, that's not what happened. What happened? The Holy Spirit said, hey, I'm going to speak to you in a way about the Scripture. The Word of God is living active right now because it's what you need to hear today. If you're going to read it again in six months, you need to hear this. It's the same word, but it has a different effect on you every time you read it. When I worked at a summer camp in college, I remember committing to, which I didn't fully fulfill, I got three-fifths three of the way there. I wanted to memorize the entire book of James. I got to James 1, 2, and 3, memorized it. All right, I was in college, it's still kind of squirrely, okay, not a, knocking you guys, but I was squirrely. So I got to three chapters, but what was really fun about it is I would go sit down by the river early in the morning, all the campers were sleeping, get my cup of coffee, and I would sit there and I would just read James 1. That's how I started. I just started reading it. Then I would just put it aside and just try to start memorizing, singing it out loud. You know what was incredible about that summer? 
That's all I read was James 1 through 3. And it spoke volumes to me and went deeper and deeper. And I had fresh stuff almost on a daily basis. As I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I didn't see it like that, God. Oh, that's fresh. But I read it about 90 times, the same three chapters. And it was new every time. Now, how is that? The words aren't changing. But the Spirit of God is speaking to you in a fresh way. So how do you prepare to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice? You prepare by actually understanding what the Word of God says. And let me just tell you, you actually don't need a whole lot of other tools. You need a Bible, <clears throat> and you need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me read this Bible. And if you're bored with the Bible, that means you're not having the Holy Spirit help you. He's never bored with it. Right? So if you're like, oh, this is boring. Well, it's, it's not boring. You're making it boring because you're trying to do it by yourself. I've never met anyone who says the Bible's boring if they're reading the Holy Spirit. He's pretty exciting, actually. Casts out demons, cleanses lepers, raises people from the dead, does miracles, all sorts of things. It's pretty awesome. So if life's boring for you in the Word, I don't, I don't think it's because the Word is boring. I think it's because you've lost sight of it, your attitude, something shifted. So church, let me encourage you to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. You actually have to know how you're to present yourselves. And you know, the Bible's not really that concerned about how the body looks. It's more concerned about how the body acts. It's not that concerned about it, because if it was, Jesus would have been this, like, gorgeous supermodel guy. But he wasn't. He was not the best-looking man on the planet. Because if that was the case, then God would have made him this perfect specimen. But, no, it's the way he lived. See, God's concerned about the way we live, which is why he says you'd be living sacrifice. So let me encourage you, church, the number one way to prepare for this life we're meant to be called to live is actually by getting in the Word of God and allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> then it says, you know, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, people who conform uh, aren't leading, but people who set the pace are. So, like, when you conform to something, you're being led by something else or by someone else. When you transform something, it's looking totally different. Um, I looked up leadership in Webster's, all right? It's got three definitions. One of them has to do with just, like, your position. So, if you have, like, a title or position of leader, you know, whatever your role is in the company. But the one I really liked was this one. It says capacity to lead. And I thought to myself, everybody has opportunities and moments throughout their week and maybe even throughout every day to lead. May just be for a moment. You may not be the technical leader, right? But you have an opportunity to lead out in a way. To lead out, to actually bring the kingdom of God, to bring salt and light, to bring encouragement, to bring Jesus into the mix. You have an opportunity to lead out in that for other people. I've often said that, you know, I heard this illustration years ago. You have a choice every time you walk into a room or a situation or a restaurant or to a business meeting or anything else, you can either be the thermostat or the thermometer, right? You can either read what's going on in there and just kind of take it in, or you can kind of set it. Yeah. Say, no, 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 this is where we're going, right? And so I've told the story before, maybe, but, you know, my wife and I, we first started leading life groups back in Waco, Texas years ago. Um, she was in, uh, in just, just a, 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 we were having life group, and at the beginning people were just kind of eating snacks and hanging out. And there's a group of girls talking who were all newlyweds. And they were sitting there kind of complaining about some stuff and just kind of bad-talking their husbands. Okay, now she's new to it as well. So she like stepped in and she's listening. She's like, no, we're not doing that. What are you doing? You're cutting your husband's like, what are you doing? That's gossip. We're not doing that. They're like, whoa, whoa. She's like, we're going to build our husbands up. So let's start over and start to say something encouraging. 
You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, pop, 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 pop. Right? Sometimes you got to slap a Christian in the spirit. Right? The disciples got slapped by Jesus in the spirit a lot. What are you doing? Get behind. What? Are, no. It's like, oh, yes, sir. Right? Do not be afraid. Do not allow other people who carry the name of Jesus, who you actually have a relationship with, work with, live with, in discipleship with, in life group with, to give them a pass. You are not doing them a favor. For my kids to allow them to go to a store and be crazy and yell and kick and scream and be disrespectful and just say, oh, they're just boys. That is not helping them. I need to say, no, that is not how we act. I don't care if everyone else in your school acts that way. Hardies don't do that. They're like, whoa, okay. That's not how we roll. I have to get my little Hardy family mission statement down for the first time. Say the Hardy family, we love, honor, and serve with joy. I don't care about all the other families. I'm not in charge of them. I'm in charge of you. This is how we're going to do it. This is part of the family, and we're going to keep working in it until we get there. We are a people not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by God, by renewing our mind, which isn't just your head, by the way. It's the implication there is your whole body, your whole soul. Everything about you is to be transformed so that you can then glorify God, honor God as a living sacrifice. Does that make sense? I hope so. All right. Romans 12, though, I believe is connected to Ephesians 4.1. Go to Ephesians 4.1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. To what you've been called. Now, who in here has ever coached youth sports? Come on now. Wow, we need to get some more coaches up in here. All right, here you go. You ready? Write this one down. Everyone is future parents in the room. There's a lot of you. Here's my admonition to you. Here's my plea to you. When your son or daughter has the opportunity to play sports for the first time, please be their coach. Please be their coach. I was talking to... Um, you know, you know, Heather and AJ, Heather, uh, AJ Puchek, Heather runs her kids' ministry. It's an amazing job. Awesome. And, um, you know, I remember talking to Heather a little while back, and I was like, hey, is Heidi playing anything? She said, yeah, she's going to play soccer. And she said, she said you know, I, I, think, I think AJ signed up to be a coach, but he's not really sure if he's going to do it or not. And so then I gave Heather my little five-minute rant speech on why AJ should be a coach. And, uh, and, and I remember her telling me, she's like, you know, he's, he's never coached soccer before, but he's, he's willing to do it. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, that's an excuse for a lot of us sometimes. I've never done something, so therefore I can't try, right? Or I don't have an expertise. Look, you're trying to coach 18-year-olds, yeah, you probably need to have, like, played the game probably. But four and five, no. Because listen to me, as future parents in the room, a lot of you, your kids will be so thankful that you took the time out of your work, your schedule in life to say, you matter, I'm going to step in and coach. And guess when you get to coach, you actually get to shape the culture of the team. I don't like baseball, but last fall, I just coached baseball for my son, Ethan, and our team was like the Sandlot crew. We had, during the games, we literally had kids climbing up on the fence, where I was having the parents like, yo, get them down, you know, and just squirting each other water bottles, like, what are y'all doing over there? But I pulled this ragtag crew together, we ended up finished second in the whole city, all right? We did amazing, but it's because I pulled these guys together and said, I don't know a whole lot about baseball. We're going to honor, we're going to respect, we're going to work hard. And I started implementing kingdom culture into our baseball team, even though probably one or two kids actually went to church anywhere. Did you know that the culture, the kingdom culture can actually influence people who don't ascribe to the kingdom? Right? 
I mean, Jesus walked into towns, and it's like, boom! Not everybody was saved, but he showed up, and he was there, and he's like, hello, the kingdom of God's here, and that feels really different, and people get all kind of out of whack. I just want to tell you, when we come, we bring salt and light, it throws people for a loop. They're like, you're forgiving me? Why? I don't understand. Why are you serving me? Why are you guys helping them move? Why? Why are you? You're bringing the meals where someone bought you a drink? What? You, you're going to help me with my project even though you're behind on yours too? Like when you start approaching things that are just different, people start waking up and saying, there's something different. There's something, there's something I don't understand about you. There's something unworldly about you. So guys, when we live the life, when we, when we, when we live in this way, when we step into the place to be culture shapers and to be those that are actually living the life worthy of the calling, I believe that Paul's challenging us to be people to say, you've already, got this, you've already got the kingdom in you. You've already got Jesus in you. Let's just figure out how that plays itself out. Amen? So here, here we go. I'm going to give you three things here as we end today. Live, work, and play. Live, work, and play. All right? Because wherever we live, we want to represent Jesus well. Wherever we work, we want to represent Jesus well. Wherever we play, we want to represent Jesus well. So let's talk about live for just a moment. Um, we all live somewhere, right? I mean, you live somewhere. Apartment, uh, a car maybe, some of you, a house. You live somewhere, you sleep somewhere, so you've got some people around you to some degree. And, you know, I've heard some encouraging things over the years from some of our college students even, that some of them will um, really proactively kind of create porch time. They're literally just going on their porch just to study or read books so they can hopefully catch their neighbors that are crossing by, right? And when Jesus was asked to sum up the whole law and the prophets in Mark 12, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. But he didn't specify and say, hey, your neighbor's only these people, only these people. He was trying to say everybody's actually your neighbor, right? There, there, there wasn't Jew or Gentile. There wasn't, well, I, I can be neighbors to them. I can't. It actually opens up to be now we're neighbor for everybody. If you're asking who needs to be in the neighbor box and who doesn't, then your heart's in the wrong place anyways. But it says every single person who's, who's breathing, who's alive, has an opportunity to be loved on by God. They may reject that love. They may reject you. I don't know. But you get a chance to love on them. So I love that idea of just kind of being available. And look, wherever we live, guys, you don't need to start the neighborhood outreach program. You don't need to start that. But you just need to say, okay, who lives in my street? How can I interact with them? When their garage door is open, maybe go over and say, hey, maybe if you need to borrow some equipment or lend them a hand with something. Sometimes my boys and I, we just went and got everyone's trash cans and just moved them up onto the deal. And they come out that morning like, how did our trash can get up there? You know, and it finally gets around that, oh, you guys moved it? Thanks so much, man. There's kind of, that's strange. Who moves trash cans around, you know? <laughs> but I want my boys to understand it's not about us. We're here to serve the people around us. You know, those two little boys used to live on our street. They would come down and we play and they would help me. They wanted just to help. So I had them do landscaping with me. They're like, they wanted to cut and do stuff. Okay, come on, man. And we'd play and talk about school and try to, try to talk about God and, what, you know, what their experience has been and that kind of stuff. It's just being who you are, where you live, right? So we all live somewhere, which means we all have an opportunity to lead out, to love people, to impact people where we live. We also have an opportunity to impact people where we work, right? Everyone remember that, remember that song, um, This Little Light of Mine? I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, come on. It's a good song now. That song was not just a fun song to sing as a kid. It was actually meant to be deposited in you and me. We would look up and say, hey, this little light of mine, it's not that little actually, this light is meant to shine. It's meant to shine before people. Let your light shine before men so they may glorify God. It's not let my light shine so they give me awards. 
They say, way to go, Tyler. Thanks for shining your light. You're a good Christian pastor. Thank you. Here's your award for being. I don't need that. I don't want that in that fact. In fact, that kind of ruins it for me. I'd rather just say, wow, the light of Jesus is shining through that person. You know, Richard Benavides, he's in our church, and um, he works for an HVAC company. And uh, a little while back, he just decided, you know what, I'm not just going to go in and fix homes. I'm going to minister to people as I, fix, as I fix their AC units, okay? So he goes in just recently. He went into a house, and he gets out, and he's like all sweaty and covered in stuff and working on this AC and all this sort of got to fix. And he got down. It's like the Lord saying to him, hey, just ask her how she's doing. So he asked this lady how she's doing. She kind of broke down, started sharing what's going on in her life, just some challenging things, divorce, and some of the things happened in her life. He got to pray for her, minister to her, and just bless her. So she got her AC fixed and got ministered to. He then leaves and then goes back to his truck. The other tech guy is with him who'd been in the truck the whole time. He's like, hey, man, what took you so long? And then he got a chance to say, well, hey, it's not just about fixing AC units. Like, this job's more than that to me. So then he gets to share with this tech guy about the love of God and why he does what he does. So it's all of a sudden like a two-for-one special there with the AC service. Isn't that awesome? It's like, praise God. He's not setting up a separate outreach program within the AC business. He is an outreach program just by living. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you are the program already. You have the life in you, and when it flows out of you, man, it's just fun and easy. Right? You don't have to oh, remember to pray for them. It's just like, oh, yeah, it just becomes natural. Hey, I'm going to pray for you and fix your AC. Oh, okay, that's different. But, man, what an opportunity, right? So encouraged by him. At World Mandate, if you couldn't come, it was an amazing time. And one of the things we did at World Mandate a couple weeks ago was we had these breakout sessions at the end of, uh, of one of the afternoon sessions. And we broke out in here into five different groups. We had healthcare, education, business, uh, local ministries, and campus life. And so we told people, hey, whether you're in school, you're actually in this profession, go to one of these things. We're going to hear people sharing about how they're making an impact for Jesus in their different spheres, in, in the society, and what they're doing about it. And then we're going to pray for each other and encourage each other. And, man, I was in the healthcare one, and it was so encouraging. We had like 70-something people in there about 30 of which actually work in healthcare, another 40 that are on that same, that same career path. And they were just able to share stories about how they want to do their job with excellence and really give people great care for their health and make people whole, at the same time trying to minister to people into their hearts. Right? Cause, cause, because a lot of times it's like we're taking care of the body, but maybe not the soul. So they're there saying, I want to take care of the body and the soul. Right? And it was so encouraging. The business, they had an amazing time. People shared and just able to stir each other up. And I want you to know that God has a plan for you in the place of business, right? And so whatever your gifting is, your skill set is, the opportunity God's given you, you need to look at it with a new set of eyes and say, hang on a second. I'm not just here to be an NFL quarterback. I'm here to see lives changed. And, by the way, be the best NFL quarterback. It's not like Carson uh, led, like, a really bad team. They were the champs, like, which is so encouraging, which is your company and your role at the restaurant or at the office, or at the home, or in your degree plan, you can actually say, God, I want to honor you with my work because you're worth honoring. Not because I want accolades from professors or to wear some cool thing when I graduate. But it's actually because I want to honor Jesus. And if he's given me the gift and the ability to do really well in education, I want to honor him with that. Instead of slack off so I can just get by barely. Right? Be those who would say, whatever God's given me, I'm going to use it to the fullest measure. So then at the end of my days, he's going to say, well done. Well done. That's the cry of our hearts. It's about literally where you live, where you work, and it's also about where you play. Um, there's a couple in our church, Kane Doxy, they, they, they run a gym called Obey Gym, and um, they've just always had a goal, like, we're going 
we're creating an amazing atmosphere for people to work out and stuff, but we want to want to be people of God. We actually want to love on people that come in here. Well, there's a young lady who's been part of the gym for a while, and um, uh, she doesn't go to our church or anything, and she went to her mother and father-in-law one day and said, hey, i got to tell you guys about the gym I'm at. She said, I get prayed over more at the gym than my church. It's like crazy. Like, people are always praying for me. It's like crazy. Like, I can't even work out without someone encouraging me or something. And her parents had been members of another church for a long time and just already been, God's been working on their heart for a while to maybe switch to be part of another church, different fellowship for a whole host of reasons. And they, um, and they heard her out and they started talking. They said, you know what? We need to go check this church out. Because she's saying these people from this church are praying for her. We need to go figure that out. So they've come and now they're not in here at our church and they're here, but they're here because of the testament of their daughter. Right? Like she doesn't go to our church. But they do, and they've, been, and they've been impacted by saying, wow, people are just going to love people in the marketplace like that. Just be salt and light wherever they go, because that's the kingdom of God. And I want you to know, people are hungering for it, guys. They are hungering for it. Just this last week, someone told me, uh, uh, one of the guys in our church, he's an accountant. Okay, so you think accountant. You're like, oh, man, stuck behind the desk, you and the computer, that's it, right? Okay, but you do eat lunch, okay? So he goes out to lunch. One of his coworkers is out to lunch. They're just chit-chatting, talking. Kind of comes to like a stalled moment because, you know, dudes, it's hard for us to talk the whole time. We're kind of like, whoa, you know, we kind of make grunt noises sometimes and stuff. And, yeah, that's good. <clears throat> just, you know, and he beat. Well, they came to a stopping point kind of, and he was like, he just felt like the Holy Spirit's like, hey, this time to share. He's like, oh, man. So he like went for it. So you're like, hey, man, can I just share some of my story and can I ask you some questions? And what do you think about church and God? And it was this great conversation opening up with this guy at work, and he just loved on him, right? And just depositing a seed in his life. But he's just eating food and just say, hey, for 10 minutes, let's just share a story a little bit. Then, then they went back to work. But now that guy knows where he stands and he kind of knows his heart and he just, it wasn't pushy. He was just lovingly sharing his story. Remember, Jesus comes invitationally. We invite people. You want to eat something? It's right here if you want to eat it. If you don't, that's okay. Someone else will want to eat it. I'm sad you don't want to eat it, but maybe you'll come back around and you'll get hungry one day. But this person's chomping the bit right here, so I'm going to give it to them. Right? Does it make any sense? It's not, you're, you're not trying to convert everyone. You're just trying to be a blessing to everyone, and then you allow the Holy Spirit to work in people's hearts. Our job to play is to be the messengers, to be the blessers, to be the encouragers, and we allow the Spirit of God to move through that however he wants to do it, and that's how people come into the kingdom. Amen? All right, let's stand. We're going to close today. Thank you, Jesus. Let's have the band come on up here. It's the end of our time. You know, I just wrote down a few statements this last week as I was preparing for this message and hopefully just encourage you. Let's have our ministry team make their way up here as well. And, um, you know, these statements are just more so just to encourage your faith because um, I, I don't know where everyone's at. A lot of you are students. Some of you are uh, working. Some are retired. Some are whatever. Wherever you are, God, God's put you in a place right now and you can choose to say, God, I'm going to make the most of it right now, right here, right now. I just feel like God wanted to encourage you with just some statements. Um, because you are there, opportunities will come to be salt and light. Because you are there, there's an opportunity to serve people and to be available in a time of need. Because you are there, there's an opportunity to bring the Holy Spirit-inspired creativity to the company. Because you are there, the company will be more profitable and successful. Because you are there, customer service can be infused with kindness and respect. Because you are there, people will be ministered to and changed forever. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Um, in a moment here, I'm going to invite you up if you want to come and get prayer for anything, but really civically, 
If you're just saying, I just need some encouragement for my job, for my education, for my home life, if you're a stay-at-home parent, then allow them to encourage you. That's what they're going to pray for. They're going to pray just that God would encourage you again to let you know that your gift and your role matters, not just inside these walls, but especially outside these walls. Like you have a part to play and that our society needs it and the church needs it. We both need it actually. And for you to understand that God has put things in you, deposited amazing things in you that need to come forth, that need to flourish, that need to be activated so that you can come alive, so that God will give you opportunities to lead in different moments. People's lives can truly be transformed. Amen. I'm going to pray first. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. And we trust you. And we just ask this morning that you would encourage us, that we would know that you're with us. We're not alone. That we're able to go into our jobs and go into different places where we play and live and work and that you're with us, God. That we're to be 24-7 type people who live out the values of the kingdom. That are people living out this calling that we would show the worth and the value of Jesus. So Lord, we trust you and we love you. Come now. Come, Lord. We just pray. Minister to our hearts. Encourage us wherever we need encouragement. In Jesus' name.